Tom Hanks' career goes to the dog. And Tom Selleck goes to the clink. Coming up next on Out of Touchdown. I'll be back to you, it won't be long But for now there's something else that's calling me So take me down a lonesome road For me just to let me go That suitcase weighs me down with memories I just want to be the one you run to I just want to be the one you come to I just want to be there for someone When the night comes Ah, yes, the great Joe Cocker uh, with the song When the Night Comes, which comes from our second movie. Uh, that song I chose because, uh, well, let's just say it was out of default, and we'll go into it when we discuss those movies. Welcome to Out of Touchstone. My name is Mike DeKalb, and in accordance with social distancing rules, on the other end of the Skype line is my co-host, Chad Smart. Chad, how are you doing? I am doing well. You know, we're in... Month 270,000, I think, of this lockdown, and I couldn't be doing finer. I have taken up every hobby that I've ever intended to do. Uh, that's a lie. I am just sleeping a lot more and being very unproductive. I, I am not using my quarantine time properly, and hopefully that will change before the quarantine ends. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I pride myself on keeping busy and you know, I I got lost my job before the quarantine happened. And so I, I make sure that I give myself stuff to do Monday through Thursday and then so that the weekend actually feels like a weekend. So at, but I, I also include Fridays on those. So so now I have a four day weekend uh, for the Memorial Day holiday as well. Um, the funny part is having all this time alone in the quarantine has given my wife the idea of like, let's get a house or let's get a dog. And so we watched this movie recently, and I said, are you sure you want a dog? Because they can be a little gross and disgusting. And, of course, that movie is the first movie we're going to discuss on today's episode, released on July 28th of 1989. It's Turner and Hooch. From Touchstone Pictures, Scott Turner led a neat and orderly life. Then he inherited Hooch. No, stop! Now his orderly life has become a disaster. Oh, what are you doing to this dog? Oh, I'm just paying for a walk. Tom Hanks is Turner. Oh, that's it. I'm getting my gun. And his new roommate is Hooch. Don't eat the car. Not the car. Turner and Hooch. We've known each other for a while now. Are you aware of, of your drooling problem? Rated PG. Yes, we've got five, count them, five screenwriters on this movie. And this, I actually did the, took the time to look into it. Like, what's the and and what's the ampersand? I mean, Chad, do you, do you know how that works? I believe it's the ampersand means two writers working together. And then if there's an and, that means it's a writer coming in later for a rewrite, I believe. Interesting. I had never really thought about it, but I, I am with you. When I watch this film, the first thing that in my notes I have five writers, four question marks, three exclamation points. 
Like, yeah. It took five I, people to bring Turner and Hooch to the screen. Yeah, and that's and that's and we're going to see why. But, and like, it, it gets difficult where you you have to figure out like who is the one who did start the story. Hmm. Like, is it is it the first two writers on there? I guess that's the base based on what I read in my research. Like, we joke about my wife and I are big fans of the Beatles, and we always talk about like all the songs say Lennon and McCartney. Who actually wrote it? And so you always think, well, whoever sang it, whichever Beatles sang it, most likely wrote it, and the other one helped him. And so for our five writers, the first two, which I believe are the ones. They also get the story credit, so this would have probably been their original idea. Their names are Dennis Shryak and Michael Blodgett. Uh, looking into their careers, uh, Shryak had been writing since the late 1970s. Uh, most famously, he collaborated with Clint Eastwood on movies like The Gauntlet and Pale Rider. Uh, Michael Blodgett had actually started out as an actor and then switched to writing after becoming dissatisfied with the roles he was being offered. Um, they had two prior writing credits as a team. 1987's Burt Reynolds, Liza Minnelli vehicle, Rent-A-Cop, and the 1988 Chuck Norris vehicle, Hero and the Terror, which is actually based on a novel by Michael Blodgett. Uh, I have not seen either film. I remember Rent-A-Cop very vaguely. I didn't realize Liza Minnelli was in mm. that one. Um, so then our third screenwriter is a name which might be familiar to the Touchstone viewers. It's uh, Daniel Petrie Jr., and not only is he a writer, but he's also given an executive producer credit. He, of course, had written and I think was an associate producer on Shoot to Kill in, in 1988 for Touchstone. Again, this is one of those ones where I'm sure you got two guys who wrote the story, who get the first did the first pass of the screenplay. And then Touchstone, Katzenberg's probably like, oh, hey, Petrie, you did a good job with Shoot to Kill. Come in here, punch this up, and then you can carry it and be executive producer. And then... They bring. They need two more writers and just some to some rewrites. Those last two writers are Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. And I looked them up. They, you could tell these guys were probably script doctors at that time because right before they did, they did Turner and Hooch, they did Top Gun, Legal Eagles, and The Secret of My Success. And I'm sure I, I can imagine some executives sitting in a, in a boardroom. Okay, we still need a little bit of extra work after Petrie did his pass on the script. Oh, how about the guys from Top Gun? Those guys from Secret of My Success, they're riding high. And so you get five writers for Turner and Hooch. But how about a director? Oh, well, we've got one. We got the Fonz. Henry Winkle is going to direct Turner and Hooch. Or maybe not. <laughs> uh, he is actually fired after 13 days of filming by Jeffrey Katzenberg. I, you know, you, you hear creative differences. Henry Winkle tells a story that Katzenberg just called him into his office and said, Hey, do you have your things? Okay, take them and leave. Um, I, I've heard rumors about he did not get along with Star. He says he got along better with Hooch than he did with Turner. I, you know, I can only imagine. I, I think he said that he wanted to take the story in a different direction. Um, but what I didn't realize was that because he was fired after 13 days of filming and they had to make up the difference, Turner and Hooch. They filmed six days a week, and I'm sure it was would have been crazy because there's a lot of scenes at night, a lot of scenes during the day. Yeah, it must have been a troublesome shoot. Yeah, Mike, I just want to jump in real quick because I I have the, that same note, but something just struck me, and I'm, I'm having flashbacks to the very first Out of Touchstone episode when we did Splash, which mm -hmm. also starred Tom Hanks and was directed by Ron Howard, for those of you that may not know. Tom Hanks was on an episode of Happy Days. Mm -hmm. I believe he was in a feud with the Fonz, if I remember the episode yes. correctly. They get in a fight at Arnold's, don't they? Yeah. 
someone should have probably seen that putting these two together was not going to work out. Yeah. I, and I love how that story has kind of taken on a life of its own where, like, I think if you go on YouTube, there's so many videos about, oh, the feud between the two of them. <laughs> TMZ was, like, chasing Henry Winkler down on the street. And, like, because no one ever wants to admit Tom Hanks is he's, he's, a, he's the nicest guy. But everyone wants to keep this going. But Henry Winkler, I think, even said, oh, no, I just had dinner with him not that long ago. Like, it's, it's the story's better, you know, if you, if you make it sound right. like, oh, somebody actually hates Tom Hanks. But... <laughs> Anywho, so Henry Winkler is replaced by, speaking of Shoot to Kill, we get Roger Spottiswood, who had done, who had directed Shoot to Kill the year before for Touchstone. Uh, in the meantime, between Shoot to Kill and Turner and Hooch, he made an HBO TV movie called Third Degree Burn, which came out two months before Turner and Hooch, starred Treat Williams and Virginia Madsen, a couple of uh, names from the 80s I haven't heard in a while. As we mentioned, uh, Tom Hanks is the star of this movie. And as Chad mentioned, of course, he starred in the very first Touchstone movie, Splash. And I saw in my notes in doing the research for this, he had he had starred in 10 different movies between Splash and Turner and Hooch. Chad, I know it might not make for good radio, but how many of those 10 can you name right now without looking? Well, let's see. I believe you would have Volunteers, The Man with One Red Shoe, The Money Pit, Big... Um... Let's see. What am I forgetting? Uh, Dragnet. So that's okay, five. five. Um, nothing in common with Jackie Gleason. There you go. Um, there, I feel like there's one where he played a soldier. Oh, I was going to say, do you know the name of that one? I, I thought that's the one I thought you wouldn't get. Yeah, I, I can see the VHS box, but I can't think of the title off the top of my head. So It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a song by Alison Krauss. It was uh, Every Time We Say Goodbye. Okay. Um, so you got three more, three more. Uh, I'm just going to, to, you know, not drag this out and make for bad audio. I'll just give up. Okay. Bachelor, bachelor party uh, and then uh punchline. And then his most previous movie before turn and hooch was the 1989 comedy the burbs. Hmm. And what's funny was I, when I was doing the research on, on Tom Hanks, I found he did an interview in 1988 and He's, he had apparently he had an office on the Disney lot. And this I just I find so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Here's his quote that he said about why he has an office on the Disney lot and why he was working with Disney. He says, quote, I have a relationship with Disney that will last for a number of films that I bring to them or they to me. I don't know if I have the acumen for this or if I like the process. I did it once before at another studio and the timing was not correct for either of us. But here these guys are entrenched. They have a philosophy of making movies. It's like a huge juggernaut. He said, I have a manager, an agent, a story editor, and all the people here at Disney, as well as myself, reading scripts, end quote. I I find that ironic because he doesn't make another movie (laughs) with Disney for a long time. I mean, he does the Toy Story movies, but otherwise, he he doesn't do another Touchstone movie until 2004 with Lady Killers. And then the only other Disney movie that he starred in was in 2013, which I hate talking about. I hate. (laughs) this movie it's called saving mr banks and i just find it so funny that they he, they put him like they gave him the office in the disney lot so he could have this deal with the studio and he said he tried it before and it didn't work and then here he makes turner and hooch and then that's it unless you count the um the toy story movies so i just i don't know thought that was fun uh as far as the rest of the cast we've got mary winningham which is uh, another one of those actors i haven't seen in a while uh she'd been doing tv movies and series since the mid-1970s and she shifted to films in the 80s. She had a breakout role, and of course, I remember her from the 1985 movie St. Elmo's Fire. 
which she followed up with support roles in 1986's Nobody's Fool and also a 1987 movie called Made in Heaven. Her most recent credit before Turner and Hooch was playing the lead role opposite Anthony Edwards in a movie released in May of 1989 called Miracle Mile. I got nothing. I, I <laughs> do not know that one. Uh, we've also got Craig T. Nelson, uh, who started in TV, and he shifted into bit parts in films like Private Benjamin and Stir Crazy. You know, his star begins to rise. I remember him from uh, 1982's Poltergeist, uh, All the Right Moves, Silkwood, The Killing Fields. I totally forgot. He's in Action Jackson. Didn't you, see, didn't you see that one? I never did. I've never seen it. The only thing I know about Action Jackson, besides Carl Weathers being the lead, is apparently there's a scene where he uses a flamethrower on someone and says, I like my ribs barbecued or something like that. That's all mm. I've got for Action Jackson. And wasn't there like a commercial or <clears throat> tagline where it was like all the action and half the Jackson or I, I don't I don't even remember. Uh, Craig T. Nelson's most recent role before this was Troop Beverly Hills, which came out in March of 1989. And just out of curiosity, I looked up uh, the TV show Coach. That had premiered in February of 89 as a mid-season replacement. So 13 episodes had already aired before his appearance in Turner and Hooch. Uh, the last member of the cast I have is RVJ, Reginald <laughs> Bell Johnson. Uh, he started with bit parts in Ghostbusters and Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins and Crocodile Dundee as well. Uh, of course, he entered the public consciousness in the summer of 1988 as Sergeant Al Powell, Detective Al Powell, the police a trooper Al Powell mm -hmm. in uh, Die Hard. Um, I looked up the same as just like Coach and Craig T. Nelson. I looked up Family Matters. That premiered in September of 1989. But his first appearance as Carl Winslow was in a January 1989 episode mm -hmm. of Perfect Strangers. Because wasn't that the whole premise that his wife was like the elevator operator at the office where yes. Larry and Balky worked? And that's the how Family Matters spun off from Perfect Strangers? Yeah, exactly. And let's not forget... Reginald Val Johnson's biggest contribution to the video gaming community is the game Black Cops, Carl on Duty. I got nothing. Is that, is that, was that from <laughs> so the Family Matters? No, it's a joke on the movie uh, Call of Duty. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, or Black Ops, Call, Call of Duty. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like a YouTube video or something? It's. I think it's like someone has said that like, they didn't understand what the title of the game. It's like a mom going in to buy the game. Okay. You know, for a kid, and she's like, I want black cops, Carl on duty. Yeah. That's that, someone needs to make someone needs to make that game that they have in their <laughs> uh, Okay. So okay, let's look at the movie itself as our new format, which well, I some kind of like you oh, left off you left off one actor here that I want to point out because I was very disappointed when looking at the cast afterwards that I did not recognize this actor. And that is your lead bad guy, or I guess your I, Without going into spoilers, you're a bad guy that they're tracking down who commits the murder at the beginning, and that is Scott Paulin. And I know okay. him, or should have recognized him, because he plays Brian Hunter, the dad of Mark Hunter, also known as Happy Harry, in the awesome film Pump Up the Volume. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But I did not recognize him at all, and so I uh, I have failed in my duty of recognizing good character actors especially for a movie that i've seen like 50 times so that's actually one of the most fun parts about watching these touchdown movies is just kind of seeing oh that guy and that oh yeah guy, oh wait till our guy. next film yeah oh yeah yeah the next movie's full of a lot of that guys and i totally forgot there's one other member of the cast in turner and Hoosh, the name i recognize uh kevin scannell who i think he plays one of the other detectives you see him at the beginning mm -hmm. when they're investigating the the crime scene 
he was part of the fishing party in Shoot to Kill, like one of the when they didn't know who the killer was. It's yeah. just again one of that guys. <laughs> so okay, so let's look at the let's look at the movie itself. We like to break it down into some positives and negatives because Chad and I are not film critics. Let's just look at the positives. I'll start. The, my first positive from Turner and Hooch has to be the great physical comedy from Tom Hanks. I, I really like it's manic but controlled and all to like a great comedic effect. I mean, he, you have to like him to like the movie, I guess, sometimes. But yeah. I just I'm, I don't know. I don't know about you, Chad, but I think Tom Hanks is eminently likable. You can't help but like him. I think Tom Hanks is secretly a serial killer in real life because no one is this good and wholesome. But I'm with you. I, I told you I had a hard time coming up with a lot of good and bad, and I'll explain more when we get into our ranking of this film. But the thing I have listed is Tom Hanks. He he is just, you know, he's America's actor. And mm. I'm trying to think of movies movies that I've seen where he's turned in a bad performance. And, I, you know, you can go back to Saving Mr. Banks, which may not be a good mm. movie, but I think he did a decent job as Walt Disney. And, sure. um, yeah, I don't think he, I think he is very, um, capable of taking on the role. What I found interesting in this role is he's a very straight laced detective, which mm-hmm. his previous film to this, uh, or the year prior, he had done dragnet, which, you know, that's, he's the wacky cop in that movie. So this is like a total one eighty shift and yeah. he pulls off both roles perfectly. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I do love Dragnet. Yeah. And I, I saw that in the theater. And yeah, you're right. He's supposed to be like this this crazy ladies. Like he's like the ladies man in that one, right? Because mm-hmm. he's because uh, Dan Aykroyd yeah. is, is, like you said, he's the straight man. But and it's funny because one of the other positives that I had from the, from Turner and Hooch was that I like how Tom Hanks's tidiness is not over the top. Mm-hmm. Like they, they show it over the opening credits. They set it up really nicely. It would have been so easy to just have, just have him be so just anal about every little yeah. thing but no it's just it's it's just it's controlled it kind of reminds me of that tv show monk which mm. i never really watched it from but from what i gather he was it wasn't just so annoying did you watch monk right i did i enjoyed monk yeah i never so would have I, guessed tony shalhoub would be the one cast member of wings to have the biggest post wings career but i i yeah. do not uh disagree with that because monk is uh tony shalhoub is a f- great actor in his own right yeah, yeah, and then the only other the only other positive that I had mm. in the movie, not that it, I mean, it's, again, it's a fine film, yeah. but was I really thought there was incredible chemistry between Tom Hanks and Mary Winningham, and it happens like from the moment they meet. That very first scene where they where they meet sets up the whole movie in general and just establishes what's going to be a very charming relationship. You don't know much about dogs, do you? Well, no, I know I never had one. No. Not even as a kid. <laughs> no, no way. Well. Dogs don't see in two dimensions. I mean, he could recognize a voice or a scent, but not a photo. All right. Come on, Hooch. Come on. Uh, Doesn't he have to recoup? Well, no. He's a little tired, but he's okay. You're a good dog. Yes. Well, you you sure are good with animals. Yeah. I'm a vet. (laughs) You're buttering me up for something. Well, I just can't help but think that this dog is going to be a lot better off with someone like you than with someone like me, because I I don't know. Are you married? No. You live alone then? Yeah. House or an apartment? House. Yeah, you have a girlfriend? No. Well, perfect. Perfect, perfect for who? Perfect for Hooch. For Hooch? How? 
When you're home, he'll keep you company, and when you're gone, he'll take care of your house. You're lucky to have him. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't have room for a dog like Hooch. Not many people do. I gotta go work. Goodbye, Scott Turner. Yeah, I really feel like you could see them as a couple in real life. They're just, they're so cute together. I mean, I don't know. Did you see this? Do you feel the same way, Chad? Again, it's Tom Hanks. I think he's going to have chemistry with anybody that he is up acting opposite against and uh, or just acting opposite for proper grammatical syntax. But yeah, no, Mary, Mary Winningham is, another, is you know one of those actresses that I know, but I'm not overly familiar with. And I thought she was great in this role as well. And yes, their, their chemistry was right there from the beginning. And obviously, you know where it's going to go because it's a movie and there are only seven plots. So mm-hmm. it, it's very well done. Yeah, that was actually one of my negatives was that I think that the love story, is, as charming as they are and much as I like seeing them, the love story is incredibly forced. You know, it's it's shoehorned into like his other plot lines and it moves very rapidly. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they, they hit it off immediately. And But like my biggest negative of the movie was, in, in a way, it's three movies in one, and which which makes it a little aimless. Like it's a murder mystery. It's a romantic comedy. And then it's also like a wacky, goofy comedy about the perils of, of dog ownership. And I don't know if you noticed it when you watched it, but like the way that you could tell it was shifting from one genre to the next was the music cues. Hmm. Like you're watching it and it's like this charming movie and you have these lighthearted music. And then all of a sudden you, the music gets ominous. And my wife even turned to me and was like, "Uh oh, this must be something's going to happen. Like, like they just really, really direct the viewer like, OK, now we're going into a different direction. And this is how you're supposed to feel. And it was it was a little weird. And like I said, even that clip with, with where, where you first when Tom Hanks and Mary Winningham first meet, they kind of set up all three of the storylines. He's got the dog. The dog's a witness to a murder. And I kind of like you. But it was I don't know. It, hmm. am, I, am I am I splitting hairs here, Chad? Was it was did you like the fact that it had a mystery and a comedy and the part of the dog? It just it was a lot jumped up, jumbled up together. Yeah, I guess I didn't really pay that much attention or that didn't stri- strike me. Um, and again, this movie, it's just, it's a movie that's kind of there. So I think I was, I was more, um, when you talk plot taken back by, I was curious how this movie was going to get set up or, you know, because the dog is witness to a murder. And I think this is an interesting concept of you have a witness that you can't communicate with. So how are you going to identify, you know, the villain and the Mm -hmm. way Hooch identifies him i just felt was so so kind of forced like you know they're in their upstairs office across the street and there's this wedding taking place at the church across the street and hooch just starts barking and then runs out and they're like oh that's probably the guy that killed him and it's like yeah what how did this go you know so that was my biggest uh complaint with the movie that and i mean obviously the i guess if you want to call it a twist at the end is uh again because if you've seen movies before you know what's going to happen and you, you're going to see the twist coming but yeah I, yeah I won't go into the you know I, i'm trying not to, to spoil, spoil it yeah and, and again there's a, there's definitely a lot of elements when we get to the trivia that like i can't reveal it because i mean some people yeah. who have seen the movie and it's not quite you know citizen kane or something like where everyone knows the ending because if you have it i don't want to i don't want to give it away Spo- but there's yeah. definitely some some elements of the cast mm-hmm. where as soon as you realize that person is in the movie, you're like, Oh, 
this they're probably going to be turner, yeah. it's going to be a twist and i i i, I immediately thought that when i'm watching i'm like okay you're just you're just waiting for the twist to come and and the, the big the only other negative that i had like as far as like from a scripting and a um, plot standpoint again five screenwriters um and my uh my wife even mentioned it is why does he have so much food in the house if he's moving because they kind of set up this idea that like oh tom hanks is only one more one more week his his you see all these boxes in his apartment okay he's He's leaving. He's going to go take a job in the big city. But yet, like, there's so much food in his house for for Hooch to rip through. And I really feel like his job relocation is only brought up when it's convenient. Like, if it's part of the the the, the mystery where where his boss is is saying, "Oh, we're going to take it away from you because you're because you're moving." Because very often, like, the notion of him moving is just simply forgotten. They don't even bring it up. But did you have any other negatives for the film before we uh, conclude? Uh, the only other, and this isn't really a negative. This is just a, something I want to point out is there's a lot of slow motion of Hooch running. Okay. That is nightmare juice. It's very <laughs> scary because his jowls are just like flapping and he's got these teeth. And it's, yeah, that's, I was, uh, I was hiding behind my pillow as I watched him run in slow motion. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, as soon as you started mentioning the slow motion, I'm like, jowls, jowls, jowls. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, at the, but at the end of the day, again, it's it's enjoyable. I will say that it's a it's a good star vehicle. It's carried by mm. Tom Hanks's charisma and comedic greatness. And it has, a you know, it's a lovable sidekick and a charming love story. I thought just the mystery was a little mediocre. Like you see mm. um, the oh, they're smuggling drugs inside of fish at a fish packing plant and you're like, Oh, was, was that a thing? And then, Oh, it's perfect. So that a dog could sniff it out. Right. And mm-hmm. the scenes with Hooch going through the, going through the fish plant were just kind of like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. But it was likable enough. I mean, any final thoughts on the movie, Chad? Uh, no, not really until we get into the box office. I'll have something that I'll bring up, but, uh, no, I think we've covered Turner and Hooch. Okay. Yeah. And then I like to be like, I like to look at what I call the touchstone touch, um, I really thought I was surprised the some of the sexual situations between <laughs> Tom Hanks and Mary Winningham, like they're really open about that. I mean, it's because it was like this lighthearted sort of family comedy. But yet you they they don't kind of they don't mince words when they talk about them wanting to spend the night. And then you see them yeah. afterwards and they joke about I think one point he jokes about having scratches on his back mm. and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, wow, they're, you they're know, sniffing each other's butts. It's like really weird. <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then Hooch doesn't even get involved <laughs> with that. Um, and then, of course, obviously, you know, you're going to have your violence. There's gun violence. I was really surprised that it actually – it still got a PG rating. Like, hmm. I don't know. It, it, should it have been PG-13? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of shooting, these, these yeah. sexual situations. I, like, it wasn't – I mean, maybe it was because they, they didn't – there was one – I think I, I mentioned it. There was only one curse word I could remember. So they did a good job of getting around that, but – I'm still surprised it wasn't PG-13. Yeah, well, that's probably the power of Disney, the Disney name and the Tom Hanks likability. Although Hanks had done plenty of R-rated films. Oh, yeah. So, sure. Yeah, who knows? But before we get to our ratings, Chad, do you have any other re- popular reviews of the time and what they had to say about Turner and Hooch? You know, I was surprised. I did not find any re- reviews. Even, you know, I always like to look at Siskel and Ebert because as we said before they during this time frame were the main reviewers of our generation but nothing on the siskel and ebert um television archive website or roger ebert's website came up however i did find in 2016 hollywood reporter did a ranking of tom hanks films 
Okay. And uh, I was kind of surprised. There were at this point there were thirty eight films ranked. Thirty eight. Yes. Can I guess? I'm gonna. T- I would say Turner and Hooch is probably top half, right? First nineteen. No. Mm, no. Damn. No. Uh, I was surprised. Forrest Gump comes in at number thirteen. Okay. The number one Tom Hanks movie, according to the Hollywood Reporter, Saving Mr. Banks. No, I'm kidding. It, Stop it. <laughs> it was the movie that I saw the same day that I saw um, Saving Mr. Banks, and that is Captain Phillips. Oh, I guess, yeah. I mean, I never saw it, but I, I mean, I heard it's critically acclaimed, right? They're, yeah. they're basing it on the quality of the films. I mean, I would think Private Ryan probably be pretty high in that regard. Probably, right? yeah. I, didn't, I don't have that listed, but Turner and Hooch came in at 34. What? Yeah. Well, more shocking than that, coming in at 35 is Dragnet. Oh, see, I, I forget it. Yeah. They, so lost all credibility. Yeah. We have uh, invalidated this report by the Hollywood Reporter. So I mean, because I, I, I mean, I have not seen it, but I don't I never I never hear people speak glowingly about volunteers or the man with mm. one red shoe. I think both of those you were know. in the lower like 38, 37, but like inc- yeah. incredibly close and extremely loud was. Oh, that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, that was uh, supposed to not be good. Yeah, Sully, been, like just Sully was, I think, Sully? top ten. Really? Yeah. Okay. Which I could not. Wow. I I tried watching Sully, and I think I made it about twenty minutes in and just gave up. Well, like I said, I think he went through that phase where he was that fun, mm-hmm. charming, comedic actor in the eighties, and then he kind of got more serious in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I still have never seen Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, I love Private Ryan. And then when he gets into the two thousands and now the twenty tens, he's just playing real people. Right? Yeah, and he's just doing. He's playing and settled into the. Old sixty-year-old roles, which is it's fine. You can't just be goofy, wacky. But I didn't realize this, but he actually directed Larry Crown. I, oh wow! I, I, that another one of those movies that kind of came and went. I heard it wasn't very well received, and I was like, oh yeah, he directed. I mean, I know he directed that thing you do, which has mm-hmm. fortunately been in the news because the guy who wrote the songs for that had passed from right. coronavirus yeah. symptoms. But well, yeah, I'm just going to throw it out here now. Um, when they make the TV or film adaptation of the Out of Touchstone podcast, I want Tom Hanks to play me. Tom Hanks to play? Okay. I will be played, of course, by Richard Dreyfus, the king of Touchstone. <laughs> but, uh, so, okay, well, if there's no reviews, then I want to hear your review, Chad. Where do you come down on Turner and Hooch on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, I'm going to give this movie a 5. I had never seen this movie prior to watching it oh, for this ha- podcast. Oh, you hadn't? Oh, no, okay. no. And... I didn't know what to expect, and, and one of my aspects that I was very intrigued by was how are they going to use Hooch in you know, the plot of the film. And I, I just, again, this movie's fine. It's not great. It's not bad. It's, but it was just kind of there. So I'm yeah. going straight down the middle. Give it a five. Yeah, I, I think I saw this movie, I think it was, it was a rental back in the day. Like you... I didn't see it in the theaters in 1989, so it would have been on VHS around 90. It's the kind of movie that my parents would have easily got on a Friday night and mm-hmm. would, would have watched. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, I give it a 6. I, I think Tom Hanks, is, he's always great, but the mystery is a little hokey. And at the end of the day, I think what's, what's interesting is that this movie is like a perfect addition to the Disney Plus library, which mm-hmm. is where Chad and I both watch the movie. Like It's just that sort of harmless, fun comedy. It's got the dog. You know, the violence is not too over the top, but, uh, yeah. So if you do have Disney plus, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, there's no harm in checking that. I would, I would have to say, um, I was like to look at, see if there was any sequel or remake potential. Uh, in 1990, there was a TV pilot and 
Turner was played by Thomas Wilson. That name sounds familiar. He was Biff Tannen in the Back to the Future trilogy. What was interesting, as I saw this, supposedly Tim Allen was offered the role and turned it down. I guess Tim Allen's stand-up career was, was huge at the time. It was just getting to the peak. And I think they said, I don't know if it was Katzenberg or if it was Disney executives who went to him and said, we've got a TV show um, adaptation of Turner and Hooch and also Dead Poets Society. And Tim Allen turned them both down because he wanted to do something original based off his own stand-up. I wish I would have thought about that. I did not see anything about that when I was researching Dead Poets Society because I don't think it even, nothing ever came of it. Hmm. But I thought that was interesting. Um, Chad, I believe you did watch the TV show pilot, which is on YouTube. Thanks for taking the uh, bullet. <laughs> what did what did you think? Of well, I've actually watched it twice. Uh, okay. I watched it right after watching the movie, and then I watched it again this morning before we recorded, because the quality, shockingly, for a 1990 TV show taped off a of VHS and uploaded to to YouTube, is not the highest quality that uh, one would expect in you know today's world. But yes, uh, Thomas Wilson. Uh, somewhere he got the F out of his name. Mm. He's not Thomas F. Wilson anymore, but he takes on the role. And I believe I'd read that they had shot several episodes. Maybe they had several scripts ready, but tried just the pilot. Um, and I believe it was during the wonderful world of Disney programming. It was the mm. only episode that aired. It's easy to see why. I mean, it for a 1990s sitcom, it you know it was fine, but it's not. You watch it now, and you're like, no, this movie, this show, would not be a success. Um, and it focused more on uh, this kid who was a orphan runaway that is is stealing like food and clothes, and ends up living with Thomas F. Wilson or Turner and uh, and his wife, uh, the Mayor Winningham character. They are now married. But yeah, it, I mean, the the only thing is Hooch comes back to play himself. Oh, it's the same. Okay. It's the same Hooch. There is slow motion running at the very beginning. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. So yeah, I, I wouldn't. I could not recommend. I mean, it's only twenty three minutes. I guess if you have nothing better to do or you want to kill some time, you can watch it. But I would not. I, I'm not surprised that it did not get picked up until twenty twenty one. Ah, yes, there is a planned TV series reboot on the aforementioned Disney Plus. I read that they they got a 12-episode order, and it's going to be starring Josh Peck, which, was he, was he, was he like a Disney star? Was, was he, he the Drake and, Drake and Josh? Yes, or? I don't know which, I'm guessing he was Josh, but... Yes, I yeah. think so. I only, I only know him from, I used to work at MGM, and we were, when we were, when I was there, we did the remake of Red Dawn, and he was in that. That's the only knowledge I have of him. It was interesting is in the TV show, he's going to be a, he's a U.S. Marshal. And again, I, I mean, I think there was a lot of stories that came out when Disney Plus first launched and they had bought Fox and they said, oh, now we're going to do some we're going to reboot some of these. We're going to reboot Home Alone. And mm. and so they it said they're going to do it. I don't know how far along they are, if they shot any of it, if, when it's supposed to come out. I I everything. Every article I read about it just was about being announced and being mm. cast. Yeah. So I haven't heard anything more. But that actually raises a good question, which I wanted to ask you was if you're going to remake Turner and Hooch, would it be better as a movie or as a TV show? Because I thought what's funny was which, which happens a lot in touched on movies is that they end with freeze frames 
And in this particular movie, like as the credits are rolling, it's a bunch of clips of the movie you, you just watched, <laughs> which is so very reminiscent of like a TV series. So would this be a better movie or a TV show if you're going to reboot it? Uh, I think it depends on what your aspect will be. I, I, I can see it being a decent TV show working out the uh, focusing on the relationship between Turner and Hooch and just doing like a mystery of the week or something like that. I, I, I think a half hour comedy is the best way to go. I hopefully yeah. they're not doing an hour long drama. Oh God. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them, but it's, so. it's, we'll see what they do with them. Yeah. Uh, okay. So from a trivia standpoint, the, we mentioned Hooch is played by a dog named Beasley. Uh, the breed is an ancient French breed called the Dog de Bordeaux, and Beasley was actually cast before any of the human actors. Yeah, he was 17 months old, and he served as what they called the main hooch because there were three other dogs, including his stunt double, who was named Igor. Uh, Beasley prepared for the role with his trainer, whose name is Clint Rowe. Clint Rowe who actually also trained Mike the dog for Down and Out in Beverly Hills. And while he was with his trainer, Tom Hanks also spent time with each of the dogs in the weeks leading up to filming so that they would work, be able to work better with them. There's lots of stories about how, you know, dogs dealing with trainers. The tough part with filming with them is that they tend to just look at the trainer the whole time. But then they gave Tom Hanks like a clicker that he could hold with his hand. And it, and that would get Hooch to kind of focus on him instead of looking at the trainer. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time of the film's release in 1989, there were only 300 Dog de Bordeaux in the United States, and they sold for approximately $2,000 each. Um, I read that the producers had hired Clint Rowe, and they looked at 50 different breeds and before settling on the Dog de Bordeaux because, quote, they wanted a dog that was big without being overly big, end quote. Uh, Beasley would go on to embark on a 10-city tour to promote the film and had his own private Learjet. Ah, uh, the 80s. Um, the only other piece of trivia I have is... The, there's a line in the film where, where Turner yells at Hooch to, to not eat the car, and that line was used in animation test footage for Toy Story, and supposedly Tom Hanks saw that test footage, and that's what convinced him to take on the role of Woody. So, uh, I don't know, Chad, did, was there anything else trivia that you found out, or was it a lot of the same stuff? A lot of the same stuff. I'll, I'll throw in something here now. This is not trivia for the movie. It's just something that I wish I could have found a clip of, because for some reason... This has stuck in my brain for, you know, 30 years now. Do you remember the Johnny Carson, Karnak the Great character? Sure, sure. There's, and I'm going to butcher this because, again, I have not seen this in 30 years. So, you know, it's always like when you try telling a comedian's joke after you hear yeah. it, you butcher it. So just bear with me. But I remember there was an episode of The Tonight Show where Carson's doing Karnak. And he's like, the answer is Turner and Hooch. And then he opens the card and something like, what do you hope to do at the end of your date? Ah, okay. So, I can yeah. buy that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, I used to like card. Yeah, that's, that's all I've got, got for Turner and Hooch. That's all you got. Yeah. Well, the, um, uh, I was like to look at there's a, the soundtrack of the film. And there is not one. <laughs> there is not a single song that plays in this movie outside of score. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing credited. There's nothing on IMDb. There was nothing when I watched the movie. Although I did think it was interesting that um, you, there's the song, if you want to call it the song, it's also Sprock Zarathustra by the composer Strauss, which is that music. Everyone knows it from 2001. No, no, Everyone knows that as the theme song of Ric Flair. Is it? Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yes. Okay. And of course it's used in this movie 
when you, the first time you see slow motion hooch running down, jowls a blazing. How did it do at the box office? Well, hey, Feshon's got a hit on their hands. It opens at number one with 12.2 million, edging out both uh, Lethal Weapon 2 and Batman. Wow, it's funny to think Turner mm-hmm. and Hooch beat Batman. Uh, the other films that opened the same weekend, this was at the end of July, July 28th, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Proud to admit that's one of the few Friday the 13th <laughs> movies I've actually seen. Uh, Babar the movie was the other one that opened that weekend. Have not seen Babar the movie, <laughs> sadly enough. Uh, Dead Poet Society, our previous special movie, finished ninth. While Honey, I Shrunk the Kids finished sixth, and Peter Pan finished tenth. So Disney had four top ten movies that weekend. Uh, and its second week, it slides to number two behind the new release, Parenthood. Uh, you also had movies opening like Lock Up and Young Einstein with Yahoo Serious. You know, I never actually saw Young Einstein. <laughs> I remember Yahoo Serious was popular for, I wouldn't say 15 minutes. Uh, a little yeah, less than that. he was popular less time than it took for you to watch Young, young Einstein. Uh, less time for me to say Young Einstein. <laughs> Um, and then in week three, we get you Turner, Turner and Hooch slips to fourth because uh, two more movies open and finish ahead of it. That would be The Abyss and Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Ugh, not one of the good Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh, but Turner and Hooch does remain in the top ten for nearly three months against such notable releases as Uncle Buck, Casualties of War, Let It Ride, Kickboxer, Sea of Love, and Black Rain. And it, en- it ends up with $71 million on a budget of only $13 million. And it finishes 16th on the year-end box office charts. Hmm. Um, from an awards consideration, it does get nominated for the Best Family Motion Picture Comedy at the 1990 Young Artists Awards, which loses to Parenthood. Uh, I thought what was funny was usually the, the Young Artists Awards are honoring movies that have young actors in them. And i got to be honest with you, Chad, I do not remember any young actors <laughs> in this entire movie. And well, it wasn't until I went back later and pulled the clips for the audio to use that there is one scene, and it's when they discover a wad of cash on a beach, and it's like a mom and two kids, and the mm-hmm. kid wants to keep the money, and Turner's like, "Oh, we got to keep. We're going to hold on to this as evidence." That's the only. Is there another scene that I'm missing, Chad? Well, you mentioned it earlier. Beasley was only 17 months old. Ah, okay, maybe that's what it was. I guess. I don't know. Uh, one other award. Uh, the composer, Charles Gross, wins an ASCAP award as for top box office films. I, I didn't know there was awards from ASCAP. And I looked. It looked like they gave like eight different movies got this award. So, they, I don't know. They just looked at the highest box office movies. And even though it wasn't, it was still number 16. But I guess you get an award for that. Okay. We like to look at the, see if there's any connections to some of my favorite franchises. First up would be James Bond and well, this is, I think this is the third time we've mentioned it because he keeps popping up on these touchstone movies. Roger Spottiswood, our director, in 1997, he directed the James Bond movie Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, and Alfred Hitchcock is my other favorite film fandom. And the only connection I could find with Alfred Hitchcock is Vertigo is filmed in pretty much the same area that Turner and Hooch was done in that sort of Monterey, uh, Northern California area. Um, Michael Blodgett, the screenwriter, uh, who was originally an actor, he had, he had appeared in two episodes of the Alfred Hitchcock Hour. And I, we didn't mention him because he only has one real small scene. But he's a great veteran character actor. One of, another one of those, those that guys. And his name is Clyde Kusatsu. He played the guy who worked in the uh, pet food store that's helping. He went on to, I remember, he, I think he played the dad on the Margaret Show show All-American Girl. 
Um, he had appeared in a 1986 episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. But uh, I don't know about you, Chad. No personal connection I can come up with. None of these actors. I've never seen any of them. I've never met any of them. I don't know. No, I got nothing. But I will, I will leave it with you because I think in addition to taking the bullet and watching the 1990, 1990 TV pilot, uh, did you not also watch the anti-Turner and Hooch, the Dante's Peak to Turner and Hooch's Volcano, the deep impact to Turner and Hooch's Armageddon? Chad, tell me about K-9 starring James Belushi. Oh, man, I'm disappointed. You left out the Wyatt Earp to Turner and Hooch's Tombstone. Ah, of course, of course. Because I have all those movies listed in my notes of comparison. It's so funny. Uh, Yes, K-9 with Jim Belushi came out three months earlier, 1989. And I actually saw K-9 in the theater, and maybe that's why I missed Turner and Hooch, because I'm like, I've already seen one cop dog buddy picture. Uh, I went back, I watched K-9 the night after watching Turner and Hooch. Uh, I, I would say that K-9 is a better film than Turner and Hooch, even though... Jim Belushi is no Tom Hanks, although here, here's a personal connection. Jim Belushi went to the same college that you and I went to, yes. uh, good old Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. And I met Jim Belushi at a taping of of uh, his sitcom, according to Jim, and got him to sign an alumni magazine. Uh, nice. So so actually taking the bullet, sitting through an episode of According to Jim is much harder than anything <laughs> else I've done. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, K-9, they use the dog as a drug-sniffing dog. So okay. I think it works for the plot better. Ed O'Neill has a small wow. role as the dog trainer. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I would recommend K-9. And then I also tried to watch Top Dog, the Chuck Norris dog. Oh. Com- that one I made it about a half hour in, and it just never went back to okay yeah yeah i said i just always assumed it seems like i don't know if it's because of star power of tom hanks versus jim belushi but turner and hooch seems to be the one that's more widely regarded than k9 mm-hmm. even though i think it sounds like from people who have seen both they seem to think that k9 might be a little bit more of a better more serious cop yeah movie, right yeah it's more of a cop film it's yeah definitely yeah. well we, we don't want cop movie we want a nice <laughs> family touchstone comedy like turner and hooch no, 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 you're eating the car! Don't eat the car! Not the car! Oh, what am I yelling at you for? You're a dog. I don't understand a word I'm saying. Well, we're going to turn the page, if you will, to our next film, where Tom Selleck takes on the role in the Billy Joel biopic... Wait a minute, I got the wrong notes. Nope. It is Tom Selleck, nothing about Billy Joel. Oh, Tom Selleck is going to jail even though he's an innocent man. When they framed him... Freeze! They shot me! He fought for his rights. You know I'm innocent! When they sent him to prison... You better get with the program, punk. He fought for his life. I'm talking to you. And now that he's out... Yeah! He's fighting for justice. I'm not giving in to those guys. How often does a con get a chance to get some justice, huh? Tom Selleck, an innocent man. Yes, it's funny you mentioned Billy Joel because there was a part, there was a very small part of me that wanted to use his song, An Innocent Man, as our theme music coming out. But I I wanted to stick with a song that was actually used in a movie. So, yes, we have An Innocent Man, which was released on October 6th of 1989. Uh, It was written by Larry Brothers. I did not recognize that name. Not Not a lot of credits on IMDb for him. He was actually a first-time screenwriter who apparently had been a junkie himself and had been in and out of prisons 
mental institutions and rehab programs. So he kind of was intricately knowledgeable about the drug uh, plot in this film. Um, it was set to be directed by Carol Ballard, who had done The Black Stallion and also Never Cry Wolf, the last Disney picture before Touchstone came to be. Um, but he later dropped out due to, what, there it is again, creative differences. He was replaced by Peter Yates, which is a name I know very well. He had a very lengthy career going back to the 1960s. He directed a movie that I love with Steve McQueen called Bullet in 1968. In the 70s, he was very prolific. Another movie that I really love, he did with uh, Robert Redford called The Hot Rock. He did The Friends of Eddie Coyle, Mother Jugs and Speed, The, uh, the Deep, and also Breaking Away, which I've never seen that, but that, I heard that one's supposed to be really good. Have you seen The Breaking Away? I have not. I wanted to, you know, we haven't mentioned the famed Arrow Theater in Santa Monica, not a sponsor, but you should check them out if you're in the area. But we haven't gotten to them on this episode yet. I feel like we always throw a reference out there, but I know they recently did a a screening with cast members, and I would have liked to have gone, but for some reason, just did not. But I've heard the same yeah. thing. It's supposed to be a really good film, and... Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a Fox movie, so when I was working at Fox, I, I did get to work on that a few times. Mm. And I was go back to your Dante Speak Volcano. I think there was a movie that came out a few years later called American Flyers. It was mm. kind of like the bicycling movie as well. But anyway, back to Peter Yates. In the 1980s, he directed Crawl mm. with Liam Neeson. I didn't, I forgot he had done that. And he also did Suspects with uh, Cher. I think that's the one with with we mentioned that with Dennis Quaid on the on our DOA episode. His most recent film before An Innocent Man was the house. Interesting enough, it's called The House on Carroll Street, and Carroll is spelled with two R's and two L's, just like the director that he replaced, <laughs> Carol Ballard. Uh, as we mentioned, here we have Tom Selleck making his return to Touchstone, just like Tom Hanks. Uh, this is, of course, after the conclusion of Magnum P.I., which had just completed its eight-season run on television. Uh, he'd only started one movie since his previous Touchstone movie, Three Men and a Baby, and that was the February 1989 release of Her Alibi with Tom I remember that one. I had never saw Did you see that one back in the day? No, I, I have not, and I've not seen it since, but... Uh... Later on, I, I have some Tom Selleck notes that we'll get to a little later in this review. Okay. Uh, the only thing I have is, uh, like I said, I, I don't like to look and see who was considered for the parts, mm-hmm. only if someone actually turned it down. And I did see that both Nick Nolte and William Hurt turned this role down. And we'll get into it when we talk about our review. I don't, I'm not sure if I, I... I think Tom Selleck would probably be better than those two. Mm-hmm. Not that they're not better actors, or he's a better actor. I just think for this role, I really liked him a lot. Mm-hmm. But who I really liked a lot was F. Murray Abraham. He had, of course, had a very distinguished career, beginning with smaller roles in the 1970s, but he broke big in the 80s with roles in in Scarface, uh, of course, Amadeus, for which he won the Oscar for Best Actor, uh, and the movies like The Name of the Rose. He had several other film credits in 1989, and it's it's hard to tell what's what because they're all really limited releases, and I don't know, did did they go straight to video? Were they actually theatrical? What came first? But I I did want to call out two that caught my attention. One was called Beyond the Stars, which had Martin Sheen, Christian Slater, and Sharon Stone. I've never heard of it. And the other one, which I'm going to have to seek out if I can find it, is called Slipstream. It was directed by Steven Lisberger, who had done Tron and a movie that I loved as a kid called Animal Olympics. And Slipstream starred Mark Hamill, Bill Paxton, Ben Kingsley. It's like a science fiction movie. I, I, I don't know where this movie is. I think I looked it up, and it might be available to stream like on Hoopla, or something mm. so i gotta find slipstream from the late 80s uh again just like the tom Selleck part 
there were two uh, other actors who turned down the role that F. Marie Abraham did, and it's Robert Duvall and David Carradine. Again, I like F. Marie Abraham a lot, and I think he is really solid in this role. Um, as far as the rest of the cast, I mean, I think it's a good supporting cast for what is more or less just a low-budget star vehicle. Um, Tom Hanks' wife is played by the actress Layla Robbins, who had been in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Um, I don't know if you recognize uh, the actor Todd Graff. He played the uh, inmate that Tom Hanks rides on the bus with, who has a very unfortunate Tom demise. Tom Selleck. Yes, I'm oh, sorry. I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. <laughs> Um, he has an unfortunate demise when they get to prison. Uh, I recognize him from The Abyss, but also from a movie that I dearly love uh, uh, called Opportunity Knocks, where he plays uh, opposite uh, Dana Carvey, where they're like con artists. Um, and then of course, for Touchstone fans, we also have Bruce A. Young, who plays the terrifying inmate Jingles, and he had played the pool hustler Moselle in The Color of Money. Um, and then as far as another character actor that I dearly love, Philip Baker Hall has a really bit part where he plays a judge. Um, I'm leaving them for the end because we'll, we're going to talk about them as we get into the episode. But the, the two dirty cops that really uh, that frame Tom Selleck are played by Richard Young and David Rash. Of course, Richard Young, I, I didn't recognize him, but I looked and found out that in the same year, 1989, he plays the character known as Fedora in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I guess there's an opening scene with River Phoenix. Yeah, he plays Fedora and- the Explorer. <laughs> exactly but I, it's been so long since i've seen last crusade but i guess there's a scene in the beginning where you get the backstory and yeah. he has the fedora and then does it get knocked off his head or does he give it to the he gives Indiana it Jones? to river uh, yeah to river phoenix to river phoenix okay yeah. and then of course we had we have david rash who had just finished two seasons of the wonderful comedy sledgehammer that i used to watch when i was a kid uh yeah i that was a great um show and a great you know, when I saw his name pop up in the credits, I, I was I was expecting a lot from his role in this film. And I, I'm going to throw out three more names that you don't have listed on your rundown. But again, love character actors. And once I saw the well, two of the three, I uh, my heart leaped with joy, if you will. One of them is one of the prison inmates was played by Dennis Buckley. He is okay. the uh, overweight prisoner that uh, kind of harasses. Yeah, the white the guy. Aryan, Aryan, Aryan nation. Or yeah. Whatever, right? yeah. Uh, tell me you recognized him from Son-in-Law. He plays Theo, oh, the farmhand. Yeah. yeah. Theo, right. I mean, I, he's one of those guys. Who's, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I know I'd seen him in something. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was in like Every Which Way But Lose or something <laughs> like that. Right? Yeah. And then the guy, the inmate that, that becomes uh, Tom Selleck's friend on the outside after they get out is played by MC Gaines. MC Gainey. MC Gainey, yeah. Yeah. I can start checking my notes by type. Uh, MC Ganey, autocorrecting, I think, got me there. Uh, he's been on Lost, and he's just uh, he was recently on the few episodes of the ABC sitcom Schooled. But great oh. character actor, and then I did also not, one of my th- one of my one of my favorite rappers back in the day too. MC yes, Ganey. Yeah. yes. And then I did not recognize him. And I think he I think he's the inmate that gets out right when Tom Selleck is going in. But uh, Tobin Bell had a small role and. People probably know him best as Jigsaw from the Saw films. Oh yeah, I think there's yeah, there, I think there's a scene you just see him in the background when yeah, I think when Tom Hanks yeah. is coming in, he's he's hovering around F. Murray Abraham, I yeah. believe. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, well, let's just get to the reviews. I, I was I'll just say first off, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I 
whenever whenever we have to my wife and i watch these movies together i think i mentioned chad and i watch them separately so we can discuss them on the show we always look at the runtime sometimes if like especially if it's been a long day and we're like come on okay the movie's 113 minutes oh it's gonna be prison drama i i again pleasantly surprised uh my my first positive is it's very very tightly directed and that's to be expected from a veteran um like Yates, I, I, he's just—he's a really, really—he's always been a great filmmaker. Um, I think Tom Herrick, Tom Selleck's character and skill set is like perfectly established before the credits are even over. Oh, he's an airplane mechanic. Oh, and he's got—he's got these great relationships with everybody. Um, the prison scene, I mean, essentially, the this whole second act of the film is—is is him in prison. And I mean, my wife was checking out a little bit. They are slow, but it—but I think that's—that's that's in the hands of a good director. It enhances how slow life does move in prison. It just shows you how it's kind of beating him down. Um, I also liked how the scene when Tom Hanks gets paroled, spoiler, um, they didn't show it. You know, like Mm -hmm. I I always reference, there's a movie that I love that came out about 10 years ago, maybe more, called The Notorious Betty Page. And and it's all about her her battles with the the obscenity boards and, and censorship. And so there's this scene at the end where she's going to have to go before the, 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 the censorship board to, to protect herself and they don't show it. And I love it because it's like, it's so, it's such a, such a very contrived thing to have. I mean, when the little man's fighting the system, you got to have this really showy role and scene. I was expecting it to be this really elaborate parole board scene, but no, it's great. You just see him preparing for it and then you see him come out. And that's again, the hands of a good director. Let's keep the plot moving. Chad, give me a positive from uh, Minnesota Man. Well, I'm with you. I think the prison aspect of this film is probably the strongest. And mm-hmm. it, it is interesting because, spoiler, Tom Selleck is an innocent man, wrongfully accused and sent to prison. And I thought the way that that was handled and set up uh, with the courtroom scene and the prison stuff was really well done. And, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I think a lot of uh, comparison for this movie will be to Shawshank Redemption which yeah. is like the only other prison movie that I think's ever been made. And <laughs> and yeah, the I think the aspect of Tom Selleck working in this, you know, he's here's this guy who as we said is innocent. He doesn't know the prison lifestyle, you know, he's not accustomed to it. Even on the outside he wasn't running with the people who would, you know, get him into a, a situation to be in prison. And so he's like learning the ropes and yeah, the 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 tension with the other group group of inmates uh i i i was i'm like you this to me is 1989's shoot to kill where it's a movie that i yeah. did not i'd never seen wasn't familiar with but had me hooked and invested in it pretty much all the way up until the climax yeah i sense one of those ones that i was thinking about kind of after the fact is one of the other positives i had was that you know you just you never knew what's going to happen i mean mm-hmm. there are several scenes in this movie it kind of reminds you of like when you watch The Godfather, there's a couple scenes in The Godfather where you're like, okay, what's Michael going to do? You, you could, it's one yeah. when he's in when he's in the uh, when he has to go kill that one cop. You're like, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? And there's a scene in, in this movie where he where people keep telling him when he's in prison, you need to kill this other guy. And he's like, is Tom Hanks really going to kill mm-hmm. this guy? And you don't know. And I'm not no. going to tell you because I was literally on the edge of my seat watching that scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, like I said, it wasn't very contrived. Like I said, until we get to the end, of course. Before we get to that, I will say the last positive I had, and I mentioned it already, was F. Murray Abraham is absolutely mm. exceptional. I, I mean, yeah. the funny part was when I saw he was listening to the cast, and it was like, okay, it's about a it's about a guy who gets framed and he goes to jail. It's F. Murray Abraham, so I'm like, well, he's clearly going to be a lawyer. But and then when it was like, oh wait, he's one of the inmates. I'm like, how effective is he going to be? <laughs> oh man, I was wrong. 
Like, I, he steals every scene he's in. I mean, I can't use too many of the clips because he's very foul, <laughs> foul mouth. <laughs> but, I, like, I mean, it's, it, like you were saying, the prison scenes, I, I'll let people know if they want to watch this movie, which, again, I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, the prison scenes can be hard to watch. Some of the scenes are a little bit difficult to watch, but F. Murray Abraham kind of brings it around. Like, you want to watch the prison scenes just because of him. Because he's mm. he's holds down those scenes and he doesn't actually he never gets out spoiler, but Tom Hanks does or Tom Selleck damn Tom <laughs> Selleck does but F Murray Abraham is like the anchor of the film. Have you got you have any other positives as well or anything to say about F Murray Abraham? Oh, I, I'm, I mean I can't. I'll just be repeating you. F Murray Abraham was exceptional in this in this film, and yeah, I, I, I'm trying to not repeat myself, but the prison aspect was really well done. I think the stuff on with. Tom Selleck's wife and the internal affairs guy was an interesting concept. I don't think it was properly utilized for this film, Yeah, but it's an mm-hmm. interesting concept on its own that, you know, I'll jump ahead to like the remake potential of this film. I think if you um, either made a, a mini series or limited series as they're now called, or change the focus to be on that aspect, I think you have a good story there as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then as far as as far as negatives, I mean, we've alluded to it and I hate to it's the it's the elephant in the room. Unfortunately, the last 10 minutes of this film ruin. I just I think it ruined what was otherwise a great setup. I mean, the film shows how the the wheels of justice can be really slow. And so you've got this great inspirational tale about how he's going to fight this and he's going to weather the storm and get through prison and get out and try to get his justice and and how goodwill is going to triumph. But then it just it takes the easy route and it ends up just becoming like this vigilante revenge mm-hmm. film. And there's a scene at the end where it just it turns and he's he's at home with his wife and you just see Tom Selleck becomes he just becomes Charles Bronson. He just becomes Chuck Norris. And that scene, it just oh, it's you can just that's literally where the whole movie turns and goes on its downward spiral. They're not going to leave us alone. You know that, don't you? go on like this they're gonna keep sliding in and out of our lives whenever they feel like it we can move okay i'm on parole well are there certain circumstances where what kind of reason am i gonna give okay police persecution christ my parole agent probably haul me into county for observation then we'll just have to deal with it somehow they came into our home jimmy you can't fight these men. And it's not just because they're police. They destroy people whenever they feel like it. And you're not like them. You don't know me. Of course I do. Not anymore. Yeah, I'm with you. It's here's a guy who was an innocent man going to prison, didn't know, you know, how to be a criminal gets out and now he's like a criminal mastermind. And so he's going to double cross the, or he's going to trick the cops and get the revenge on the people that set him up. And this is where I also go with like David Rash. We mentioned him earlier, love David Rash, but I felt he was in a completely different film. Every time he's on scene, he's like hamming it up. He's just over the top. And I think it didn't go with the Tom Selleck understated character. Um, yeah. yeah. And then that, uh, like I said, that climax at the end is just, it, it's almost like, um, Charlie Kaufman wrote adaptation. Oh yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's something, unfortunately, it keeps coming up as a negative in these touchstone movies. But we just we have dumb cops. They're just so inept in trying to cover up their drug running and corruption. You know, they're cocky for no good reasons. And like you said, I was going to ask you this. You can't. The whole point of of acting and being in movies, you know, actors are going to take on different roles. They're, they're, They're supposed to have versatility. You can't just be typecast. But when you take an actor who had just finished doing 40 episodes where he played a dim-witted police officer, and then you make him a police officer in a serious drama like a year later, mm-hmm. like I, you can't take him seriously, unfortunately. Like Now, again, if someone's watching it and never saw Sledgehammer, it's been 30 years, maybe it might be easy. But for those of us of our generation, yeah. I don't know about you, Chad, I'm watching the movie, and it's just like, it's Sledgehammer! <laughs> yes. You know, you do. It's so stupid. Yeah, and I think that's my point. Like, if he would have been more understated, it may have worked. But because he was so over the top, it just kept reinforcing the sledgehammer persona. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you you even alluded to it. But, like, there's one of my other complaints is that there's way too many scenes with the cops where I would have liked to have seen more scenes with the wife Mm -hmm. and the internal affairs investigator and trying to get justice on that side. But, yeah, it's just uh, it's some of the it's just dumb (laughs) cops. And it's and dumb criminals, too. Like, yeah. did you notice, Chad? I put I didn't put this in my notes because I wanted to get your reaction for the second consecutive movie. We see people smuggling drugs inside of fish. <laughs> I don't understand if that's if that's if that's supposed to be a thing, because the very first yeah. time David Rash and, and his partner break up the drug ring, they're smuggling drugs. So I think if we learn anything from this episode, it's going to be don't smuggle drugs <laughs> inside fish. Well, how else are you going to get smoked salmon? Uh, see, I don't even want to give you the crickets for that. That's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I, I only have one other negative, and that's just – and it kind of goes on to what we talked about before. The Virgil, the F. Murray Abraham character, there's these great scenes in prison, as we mentioned, with Tom Selleck. And at least two or three times – I don't know if you noticed that F. Murray Abraham specifically mentions that the, the two cops that got Tom Selleck busted are the same cops that busted him. Mm-hmm. And he references them by name, and so you're like, oh, okay, well, that's a perfect setup. So that maybe he can help get help him get his revenge, regular revenge, justice style, not vigilante justice. And so he references them. But then yet they never seem to it it just keeps getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And when they finally when he finally says, "Okay, I'm going to get my revenge. Tell me about it. You're like, why? What what took so long? Like it's and then, like I said, well, again, it it falls apart at the end. But yeah, I I know it it was weird to have him keep mentioning the fact that he was with these that these cops busted mm-hmm. him, but they didn't get his revenge. Um, Chad, do you have any other negatives on this film? No, I think we've covered everything that there is to say about the, the pluses and the negatives. Okay. Well, my final thoughts, I think we've mm. alluded to it already, but I think the film does a great job of showing how the legal system works and how ruthless the prison system is. I mean, it should be a deterrent. I, I mean, I think it was interesting at the beginning of the film when he's with his lawyer and the lawyer says, you know, I can we can plea bargain and I can get to six months in a what he called a what did he call an honor ranch? Yeah. And then he's like, but no, I have to fight this because I'm innocent. And then it's like, well, then he gets six years. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, that is kind of it's 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 messed up that that's how that works. I mean, we we talked about that with the good mother where like the it's easier to plea bargain your way out of something to get what you want, mm-hmm. even if you have to sort of admit the guilt, which is it kind of puts you in a precarious position. But again, Tom Selleck face of the movie and he has i think opportunities to overact but he does a great job as like a stoic man who's been beaten down you know he's fierce and imposing 
but he's also a great husband. Like I said, this was this was a very like I said surprising movie. Chad, final thoughts. Well, this okay. I'm going to jump off your Tom Selleck comment there because this is something I realized when watching this. Prior to starting this podcast, I had only seen one Tom Selleck film, and that was Runaway. Okay, which I th- think I watched in like the year or two prior. You know, now I've seen Three Men and a Baby, and I'd also recently watched Quickly Down Under, and then this movie. I th- I I know Tom Selleck has been a huge success in Magnum PI, and now on Blue Bloods. I only know him really from Friends. Um, his guest role okay. on that. I, I'd never seen him. I don't think he has a strong leading man presence. Like in this movie, I think he, I think he was good in Three Men and a Baby because he's part of an ensemble. I think he's good in this yeah. because again he's playing this character who is very understated. He doesn't go into that, prison being, you know, like okay, I'm going to be in here and I'm going to be tough. It's it's he he blends in with the crowd, and I think that plays to Tom Selleck's um, strengths more than a leading man type role. That's why he's so perfectly cast in this movie. I yeah, think, is because he that's his thing. He's this big, burly, macho man, but he play, he downplays a lot of stuff. He's mm-hmm. he's very close to the vest, like you said. He's not. He's very stoic. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're ever curious, I'm sure you'd probably find it streaming. What my favorite Tom Hanks movie is Mr. Baseball. I <laughs> I mean, as far as sports movies go, it's it's a good one. Like because again, it's so easy for 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 athletes for sports movies for guys to go over the top. But like, no, no, it's he, it's a great role. It's this guy uh-huh. who's 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 he's He's bombed out of Major League Baseball, and so he goes to Japan and he resurrects his career over there. And it's it's a really really fun movie. I it's fun, it's funny you say that because I watched that after this whole realization that I had. So I was like, okay, I want to see him in a leading role, you know, comedy. And yeah, I, I agree. I think the movie is fine, but I didn't really like Tom Hanks. And I think he I think because he was too uh, over Tom the Selleck. or Tom Selleck because he's <laughs> now I did it uh, because he's too over the top as the ego maniac. American baseball player who is slumming in Japan. Yeah. Dennis Haysbert also from uh, major league. Good uh, support role from him, but okay. So as far as uh, innocent man, I will say, obviously we talk about touchstone touch. This is an R rated prison. There's no (laughs) way, there's no way to Disney fight this. I mean, is there any way to do a safe version of this movie? I, I I honestly don't know. Uh, Chad, did did you actually were able to find any reviews of this stuff? I do. I have two reviews. One from the esteemed Roger Ebert, who gave it one and a half stars. And he says, An innocent man has all the elements to put us through an emotional ringer, but the movie never works up any enthusiasm for them. It's the most relaxed crime movie of the year. I didn't feel I was seeing a director's picture. Instead, I was seeing Selleck, a gifted light comedian, shoehorned into a role where he was never comfortable and rarely convincing. And I was watching a movie, watching a movie that takes ethical positions the producers would no doubt disagree with, if they had given them the slightest thought. Okay. okay. And then from LA Times, I got two sentences from their review. The second one is just going to back up what we said, but uh, on the first note it says, "On a fundamental moral level, an innocent man is guilty as hell." And then the good things in an innocent man can be summed up in four words and one initial: F. Murray Abraham, David Rash. <laughs> David Rash is one of the good things. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's so funny was, you know, as we go into our reviews or our rating the film on a scale of one to ten, you always hear stories about. Um, I'm a big sports fan. Sports writers will 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 write their recap of the game as the game is going on. Like, especially I'm a big hockey fan. In the third period, they'll get their their recap done, and if something crazy happens in the end, they have to rewrite 
some of it, you always hear people complaining about, oh, God, I, I don't want to see I don't want to see a, a crazy finish because they already have to turn their review in mm. to the, a deadline at the paper. This one, I was already before the, the last 10 minutes, I was already writing in my notes. Oh, my God, what a great movie. Pleasantly surprised. Seven strong, solid <laughs> seven out of 10. That last 10 minutes hits. And it, I, I wanted to almost knock it down to a five. But I will be nice because there's so many other good parts to it. It's a solid six. I mean, it's a compelling story. But. Man, those last 10 minutes. And the funny thing is those last 10 minutes take place in Long Beach. I'm tempted to go down there. I want to see if I can find Tom Selleck's house, too. I mean, mm. there's it's this really cool sitting on a hill looking out over the water. I think it's either in – I think it's in San Pedro, which is near Long Beach. I've, my wife and I have been to San Pedro a few times already. But, yeah, it's those last 10 minutes just ruin an otherwise mm. good movie. And, and – and t- take some points off of it, knock it down to a six out of 10 for me. Chad, where do you come down? No, I am with you 100%. In fact, after I, I had watched this movie a couple of days before you did, and I wanted to um, text you immediately afterwards and be like, oh my gosh, wait till you watch this. And I wanted your reaction. So when you posted on social media that you were watching it, I wanted to text again and be like, tell me what you thought. But yeah, I was, uh, you know, as we said, this is a long, slow film. And it took me a while to kind of really get into wanting to watch it. But again, the prison stuff captivated me. I was really with it. And then that over the top shootout at the end, just it, it again, it's it shoot to kill. In my opinion, it's, it's a good suspenseful film leading up to it falls apart. And so I'm with you. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. And again, I, I'll try to make a note of this for future episodes as well. But if, if anyone's interested in watching it, I will say that Chad and I both I, I rented the movie on Voodoo. Did you as well? Yes. Yeah. I, Voodoo is my sort of my go to for these movies and rentals. Uh, I plus I get a lot of get a lot of credits every month if you watch yeah. certain movies and stuff. But I like their I like their interface, yeah. Hmm. And yeah. it's also easier to pull clips from too from my computer. <laughs> um from a sequel to remake potential, I put in my notes, please. Yeah, I mean if you could fix the ending and, mm-hmm. and I would I would be totally open to a remake of this. I mean, I think it's what's so funny about prison movies is especially when you look at where they film this movie, the, the prisons probably look the, today look a little similar. I mean, mm-hmm. they still use older prisons depending on how massive of a, the maximum security penitentiaries are. So mm-hmm. go ahead, do it. Yeah. Um, from a trivia standpoint, I don't really have anything, but I didn't mm-hmm. notice was the locations. Uh, they, they used a couple of different prisons. The exteriors were done at the Nevada State Penitentiary in Carson city, which opened in 1861, you know, I'm sure I, I did the Alcatraz tour a couple uh, a couple of years ago. And it's like, I could, I, when we were watching this movie, I literally thought they filmed it at Alcatraz because it looked, it reminded me a lot of this interiors are there, but the interiors instead were actually filmed at the what's called the Cincinnati workhouse, which was a, a prison that was built right after the civil war. And it closed in 1980, but several films were shot there before the building uh, before the building was demolished in 1991, including another 1989 film, which I mentioned earlier, which was Lockup. Um, I, I mean, Chad, it seemed like most of the trivia on this film was just so and so turned the movie down or didn't have. Uh, did you see any other trivia on this? The only one I have is Tom Selleck's character name is Rainwood, and so the original title was Hard Rain. Yes. Which thankfully okay. did not get used, so we could reuse it later for the third mention in this show of Christian Slater and. Um, uh, he escapes me. He narrates everything. Morgan Freeman. Uh, Morgan right? Freeman yeah. movie. Yes. I never saw Hard Rain, but I always wanted to. I heard it was dumb, but I liked the premise. I don't know. Um, the soundtrack. Oh, well, as we mentioned mm-hmm. at the beginning of the show, When the Night Comes by Joe Cocker. 
That is the only song that is credited <laughs> in this movie or Turner and Hooch. I had one song to choose from, but I don't know if you mentioned, if you notice, When the Night Comes plays during the closing credits of Innocent Man, mm. but it also plays earlier during a scene where Tom Selleck and his wife are having dinner. I swear there's another song that plays. I think he opens the fridge door and he's getting his food ready mm. and there's another song and I'm like, oh, when the credits roll, I want to see what song that is and there's nothing. I, I mean, I, and I don't even know if I could watch that scene again and pull out my phone and do the Shazam app. Because yeah. I'm like, that's weird that that other song didn't get credit. Unless it's the same song. I don't know. I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't use the uh, the Billy Joel song. Because mm. that, album, that's, that album and that song came out in 1983, five years or six years before. Uh, funny, funny to mention Billy Joel. When I hear the title, When the Night Comes by Joe Cocker, I keep seeing... The Billy Joel song, When the Night is Still Young. I, that just keeps getting stuck in my head. All right. Anyway, rambling. We'll go on to the box office performance. As we mentioned, it opened in October on Columbus Day weekend. It finishes in third place with $5.7 million uh, behind uh, Black Rain was, finished, was first and Sea of Love was second. So detective movies were all the rage in October of 89. Uh, Turner and Hooch was, was 10th the weekend that An Innocent Man opened. Uh, there were no other wide releases that weekend, which is surprisingly for a holiday weekend. Uh, but there was limited releases, uh, a movie called Old Gringo, I'm not overly familiar with. And then, of course, the Gus Van Zandt movie Drugstore Cowboy. Uh, in its second week of release, An Innocent Man drops to fourth place behind the release of Look Who's Talking and Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael <laughs> Myers. And then it falls down to eighth with the release of Fabulous Baker Boys, Next of Kin, and also our next Touchstone film, which we'll discuss on the next episode. But it ends up falling off the charts, and it ends with $20 million after about a month in theaters. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a failure. It's a good movie. It just mm -hmm. maybe audiences weren't quite ready for that. I mean, I, I read an article that were they, were about Touchstone about the movies that they were making at that time, and Katzenberg was just like, oh, we're going we're gonna to try this, we're going to take our chances with some of these dramas and just see what happens. And But unfortunately, I'm sure they probably were going for awards, and I could not find any <laughs> award nominations for this film, which is a shame. I think if it would have been more popular or successful, <laughs> I wonder if it would have come up. Uh, as far as connections to other franchises, I could find no James Bond or Alfred Hitchcock connections, unfortunate, but ah, I don't want that bit to buy. I want it <laughs> to die. I always want to have something. Um, from a personal connection, I think if you want to joke, my wife did perk up with surprise when she noticed the scenes in Long Beach because she said, hey, it's the Queen Mary. So they did film around that area. My wife and I have spent the night on the Queen Mary for her birthday one year, and I've been down to that area. Chad, was there any personal connection, or have you been to Long Beach and the Queen Mary at all yourself? Uh, I've been to Long Beach. I've been to Queen Mary, and I believe where the shootout takes place at the end I want to say that I've been in that shopping center, but I would have to look up and uh, okay. verify. Yeah, I kind of want to go back there myself. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just like I said, if only if only there. I in a weird way, I almost didn't want that scene to happen there because then that would have <laughs> maybe we could have got a different ending to this otherwise halfway decent film. Yeah, I need some help here. I'm tired and I'm, I'm discouraged, and my husband's still in prison and. I'm his only connection to the outside world, and I have nothing. Well, no one wants to get at the truth here more than I do. Those men were lying, and you know it. Please. It's not what I think or know or suspect. It's what I can prove. I need something solid. Otherwise, it's all theory. I'm not a theory, Mr. Fitzgerald. I'm a real human being, and so is Jimmy. You look me right in the eye, and you burn my face into your brain. You remember the pain in it. 
We have both suffered because you people screwed up and you didn't dig up the truth. And we're going to continue to suffer. That's real. Okay, so we got two, you know, pretty decent movies for, for 1989. We got a comedy. We got a, a solid drama. I mean, I we always say, would they fit the Disney ideal? I mean, Turner and Hooch, I mean... You could take a couple of things out of that. I, I'm convinced if you made that movie nowadays, it'd probably be a Disney film. And it shows why they're rebooting it for Disney+. Plus. And I think An Innocent Man is another one of those movies that enhances why Touchstone was created, right? Like, it just, especially when you, the fact that you, it was originally going to be directed by the guy who directed that serious drama with the male frontal nudity, Never Cry Wolf, that <laughs> Disney was trying to make as they launched Touchstone. So, Chad, do you, are you proud? Do you think Disney is proud of these two movies? I definitely think so. Obviously, the legacy of Turner and Hooch is greater than Innocent Man, but An Innocent Man is a very, like we said, I mean, I'm just repeating myself over and over again, but it's a it's a movie that I would highly recommend people seek out and watch because it is just such a well, you know, a well-done prison movie. And it brings up the issue, you know, I think you'll have a lot of discussions about the judicial system and our laws here in America after watching it. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it's very thought provoking. So Disney should be proud. Um, uh, I always like to look and see, well, what did Disney do during the same time period as these two touchstone movies? And there was only one movie. It was called Cheetah. It was released on August 18th, and it was in theaters for about a month. And it only makes $8.15 million. Of course, I did read, supposedly, Cheetah is known for, that is the movie which invent, which introduced the phrase Hakuna Matata, and it also stars friend of the show and star of Adventures in Babysitting, Keith Coogan. Once again, Chad bit the bullet since Cheetah is on Disney+, and he watched it. What did you think of that movie? Well, actually, I watched Cheetah. Cheetah was the first film that I ever watched on Disney plus. Okay. So, and I watched it mainly because of Keith Coogan, friend of the Coog. show. Yeah. The Coog. Yeah. I was going through, you know, my Coogan phase at that time again. And sure. you know, it's a, uh, it's an interesting film and I don't know how plausible it is because it's about these uh, brother and sister who their parents are doing work over in Africa they come over for like supposed to be there for the summer and then they befriend this cheetah, uh, hence the title of the movie. Ah. And then when they're supposed to come back to America to their grandparents' house, the cheetah they find out gets sold into like a, I think it's like a cheetah uh, ra racing uh, ring, you know, that it's kind of like okay. a greyhound thing. And okay. so they, uh, they get off the plane and decide to travel the African outback to save the cheetah. So it's a it's a fine film. I would recommend watching it. It's you know it's a nice lighthearted Disney film and one of one of those Disney Plus like perfect movies for Disney Plus, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I would say you know with the Hakuna Matata reference, watch it over the live action Lion King. Oh yes. Again, once again, the mo the movie that inspired this podcast. <laughs> uh, but speaking of the podcast, what's coming up on our next episode? We get medical students and strippers together. Uh, Right. Yeah. I. But let's see. Let's, <laughs> I think we got, might be in for two movies that I've always wanted to see, actually. So this ought to be fun. Uh, plus, uh, one of the films was directed by someone who I've long admired, and he made his touchstone debut. But uh, once again, thank you for listening. My name is Mike DeKalb. You can find me on Twitter at Mike DeKalb. I also run the Out of Touchstone Twitter account at Out of Touchstone. I'm on Instagram. If you want to email me, it's Out of Touchstone at Gmail dot com. Uh, my co-host Chad Smart. You can find him on Twitter 
at Chad Smart. He also is the proprietor of the Positive Cynicism Podcasting Network, the hashtag PCPN. Uh, but otherwise, if you, is there anything else you want to say before we end? No, I think uh, we've summed up two good touchdown films. And again, the reason why we do this podcast is to find gems like An Innocent Man that kind of slip by. So in these times where you have a lot of free time on your hands, maybe check out some movies you haven't seen. And also, don't smuggle drugs and fish. <laughs> this is out of touchstone, and we're out of time. Out of Touchstone is a Honey Nerds production. For more information, visit outoftouchstone.com. Like and subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So, you're cool, I'm cool, we're cool, thank you, good night.